Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Elkshape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man, your host, Welcome to season five. Here we go. This podcast is brought to you by discipline, delayed gratification, and being accountable to yourself. This podcast is about finding the high road, working hard every day, creating the best possible version of yourself. Our values are faith, family, fitness, finances, elk hunting, and career. Our guiding principles are authenticity, transparency, and out hustling the competition. Our podcast is brought to you by Buck Knives, Onyx Hunt, Vortex Optics, Wilderness Athlete, Black Rifle Coffee Company, Crispy USA, Matthews Archery, Kufaru International, and BlackOvis.com. Hey guys, welcome to the Elk Shea Podcast. Today I have a guest, Sarah Gamash, aka PNW Huntress. We're going to have a sit-down conversation and kind of talk about stuff that's not in my wheelhouse, but we both live in Washington State and we're watching the state basically just shatter uh, when it comes to hunting and basically management, wildlife management, you know, made me think that I guess I hate to admit this, but it's true. Hunting is really not a right. It is a privilege. And I think a lot of us like I don't know, maybe misinterpret that, that it's not really a right, it's a privilege. It just seems that, um, I know hunting's on like the right side of science and it's definitely how a lot of us choose to feed our families. Um, But in this country, I just don't think it's guaranteed. Uh, The decision makers, especially when it comes to voting and these things that keep popping up, it's not our anti-hunters that are like our enemy. It's a lot of times ourselves. I think we have a lot of infighting, a lot of ego, and we talk about that on today's podcast. And I am so allergic to bragging and trying to level up on, on each other, whether it's public or private or 
bigger or better or more badass, the bravado, the machismo that hunting can kind of bring naturally. All that infighting is really just fighting against ourselves, the division, and the seems like the other side of the spectrum, those um, people that are not for hunting are very uniform, organized, and dialed. And that's not even who we're worried about. It's the middle ground. It's the folks that are undecided. They aren't anti-hunting. They're just not really, they're not hunters themselves, and they could be persuaded. And that is the people that we need to focus our messaging on when it comes to, well, the things that we post on social, the things we say, and, and how we represent hunting as a whole. And um, we just got to be careful. So today we're going to talk about some of the stuff going on in Washington State, specifically a couple of changes you know we lost spring bear in 2022 if you didn't know looks like we're losing spring bear in 2023 looks like we have some folks on the wildlife commission the people that vote on these these measures these they vote on the rules and some of them are appointed by our governor here who appoints people who aren't really for hunting at all and there's some other groups popping up we're going to talk about that today we're also going to get to know sarah i have a lot of respect for sarah she's very much an authentic woman entrepreneur and wife mom and a badass hunter she just loves to hunt she gets after it she's fit and she's outspoken and she's real which i appreciate so different style of podcast today there's a few swear words not a lot um but ultimately the message is good and it's getting me to think about it and uh i want to know your thoughts after you listen to this one let me know good bad the ugly whatever but uh we're just trying to put that spotlight on ourselves what we need to do better as a hunting community and we need to stay aligned and work towards common goals and we'll always have some differences i understand that but we should have the ultimate goal to have hunting around for our family to be able to feed our families with wholesome good wild game and to preserve these natural areas and have these animals best interests i love that stuff so without further ado this is sarah kamash and you're listening to the elk shape podcast Hey, what's up, guys? Elk Shape Podcast. Actually, we're going live and in person. What a treat. I have a a gal. Let me give you the history. Uh, probably you've seen her on Instagram. Um, she's friends with one of my friends. She shoots bows. She killed stuff. I thought she was cool. She signed up for an Elk Shape camp. I But I was, like, scratching my head because I knew she had killed bulls with a bow. I said bulls. And I was like, why is she coming to camp? This is weird. And then I met her and her husband, Caleb and I was like, oh, these people are amazing. And uh, what you know, we're actually sitting down at my house doing a podcast with Sarah Gamash, aka P and W Huntress. Yep, that's the IG handle. Yeah, how are you? Good. I was on my way to Idaho to do a whitetail trip, and I was going to be passing through, and I figured I'm going to stop by and say hi to Dan. That's so cool. it was perfect timing, and thank you for having me on. Well, I know that there's a lot going on in this world. We're going to talk about our state. We're both. Washingtonians and it's why does that hurt to say oh, man, it's embarrassing when people ask well I'm traveling and they're like where are you from and I just like cringe when I have to say it because then you immediately get the judgment oh you're a Washingtonian but I'm always like not one of those Washingtonians you know and you're in the thick of it you're oh, on that yeah. other side of that state we'll get into that let me get into your background so um you're fit you're an entrepreneur you're a killer when it comes to hunting um, your husband, I have a massive man crush on. I think you know that. Join the club. Okay. Everyone does. I think he's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when did you get into hunting? Um, when I was 11, I think is when I went through hunter safety and doing it with my dad. It was just like a family tradition. And okay. my brother, my little brother, he's an amazing hunter. So it was something that I grew up with right, right in the beginning. 
And you're like a real bow hunter. Like you can go compound or traditional. Yeah. Don't matter. Yeah. I kind of started dabbling in the traditional a couple years ago. Our friend, you mentioned, you know, Joel, he's a good mutual friend of ours and he's big into that. And he kind of pulled me over to that side and I'm really lucky to have him as my neighbor pretty much. Oh, that's where you're at. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, have you been to his house before? Uh, no, but I know okay. right where he's at. Yep. So I'm not far from him. So whenever I need help with stuff like that, I can just go over to his house. He's been an amazing mentor. So that's who kind of pulled me over to that side of archery. Yeah, Joel Turner has impacted a lot of people, um, yeah. and he still has a few doubters out there, I see, but um, they'll come around as I predict Bodie will probably oh, wins again. He'll, show, he'll prove it to the world. Yeah, I can't wait for Vegas this year. Mm, definitely. Very excited to see um, Well, you grew up in a hunting family. Um, you have two kids. What's their ages? Uh, my daughter is 11, and my son's 8. And one thing I wanted to ask you, I was going to ask you not really on the podcast, but I'll do it now. Is so like, like I want both of my, like, I'm not into jujitsu. I wrestled a lot. Um, I'm paranoid about getting injured to be yes. honest with you. Uh-huh. And, um, I have little thresholds. Like I work out obviously and do some crazy stuff there, but I don't really want to make room for jujitsu in my life because I'm so like interested in bow hunting. Actually, I'm beyond interested. I'm obsessed with bow hunting. I don't want to be sidelined at all. So I guess I would do jujitsu this time of year, but there'd be a cutoff date. Where like, <laughs> right. I am not rolling, and I think I'd be all right with it. Like honestly, I I, I have a background in wrestling. I like I like that physicality, um, but I really want to get my kids into it because I just think I I am so paranoid about raising soft kids in this soft world. Yeah, your kids are both in it. Yes. Tell me about that experience. Well, we got into it actually during COVID because, you know, everything shut down, especially in Washington where we were, and we always want to keep our kids active. And so jujitsu, that gym that we're at was one of the only places that was open and they didn't have all the BS, you know, wear masks. I mean, obviously you're, you're wrestling. You're not going to be wearing, wearing a mask is not going to do anything. It doesn't do anything anyways. So I was like, man, this is awesome. I'm going to put them in it. I think Caleb was deployed at the time. So it was kind of like my decision that I said, I want to take my kids to do this. And they immediately loved it. I immediately loved that there's so many other takeaways from it. It's not just like the physical aspect. It's like the discipline, like the instructors are very much like keep them in line. Mm -hmm. Um, Another big thing, like I'm always figuring out new things that they're getting from it. And we had a tournament a couple weeks ago and Caleb, usually he's a very hands-on dad. So he goes to everything with us when he's home, but he's also gone a lot. So he's gone right now. He's gone during this tournament. So I take them by myself and they're kind of out of their element, you know, like they want their dad there. Yeah. And I, I can't remember what we did the weekend before or the couple of days leading up to it, but they were tired and they were nervous. And I was, I could tell when they went out on the mat, I'm like, man, my kids are like struggling. And my son, he usually does very well. His first match was up against this girl. Cause up till a certain age, it's still co-ed. Sure. I think like eight or nine actually. Okay. And this girl came out hot. She was like a little Tasmanian devil, and he was not ready for it. And she just kicked his ass. And he's never, both my kids will not tap. They have never tapped. They actually pass out. They will get choked out until they pass out. So he tapped and lost the match. And I was like, I can't believe that just happened. And he came off the mat, and he was bawling. He was hyperventilating. He was almost borderline having like a panic attack, I guess you'd call, which I've never seen him react to anything. So I'm like, you're okay. Like get yourself under control. And so how they do it in these tournaments is if you lose your first match, you don't really go on to keep competing. 
but there's a consolation match just to like make it worth your time. So if you're going to go all that way, pay all the money, your kid loses the first match. They still want to let him have another match, just practice type thing. So I said, buddy, it's okay. You know, you got another match. And he's like, I'm not doing the other match. And I said, you are doing the other match. You absolutely are. And it probably was 15 minutes of getting his breathing under control, getting his head in the right space, like saying, you got to pick yourself up from this and not accept this defeat and and move on and do this next match. And so talked him through it. We got dad on the phone, a little FaceTime. Oh, good. And he went into that second match, and I think he got an arm bar in the first, like, 30 seconds. You know, and so it was a good lesson for him at eight years old to, hey, you failed at something. You're going to fail at a million things in life. Like, we all fail at stuff. But how you react to that is is what was important that we talked them through. You're not going to give up, dig down deep, Mm. get your confidence Mm. back up. Remember why you're here. Remember all the practices that you do and let's start over and go in fresh with this new match. And he did it. And at eight years old, I think that says a lot for a kid to be able, and there's not a whole lot of other things in life at that age that they can experience stuff like that. I can't think of one. Right. What if he was 28 and learning that lesson? Yeah. It's still applicable. Right. Exactly. And so just like when I told Caleb, man, our kids are nervous today. And he goes, good. That's good for them. Because when else the kids in this day and age don't have to experience stuff like that. And so there's a lot of awesome things about jujitsu. What's the seasonality with that? Because I know my kids do like gymnastics mm-hmm. and soccer and real football and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So what's the seasonality? Um, you can just go to practices as much as you can. We try to do two to three days a week. And then our gym, there's a couple big tournaments, like f- maybe three or four a year. Okay. And you can travel and go to other tournaments in other states. We're not to that point yet. So right. we just keep them at the local ones. And it's good enough for us for them to just be able to do those few tournaments. And mm-hmm. um, eventually, like Cadence, we want her to do wrestling through the school when okay. that starts, you know, cause that kind of goes hand in hand. So we'll see, but she's... you hear that Jake Webb, he's an <laughs> editor. They go hand in hand. He's a white belt and he's, okay. he's been doing it for a year and he yeah. is just getting a little tougher every day towards me about come roll with me. Yeah. I will choke you out so fast. This, that, the other, <laughs> I think we're going to have a match here in the filming studio. One of those oh, days, that's going to be awesome. I can just tell the testosterone's rising. Yeah. And, you know, he probably would choke me out though, if we're being, Truth be told, I don't know all the moves, but uh, I have so much respect for yeah. jiu-jitsu. And, um, I was actually – I can remember being a boy and watching the first UFC ever. Mm, yeah. Like, and I've actually met Royce Gracie in person at a Black Rifle event, and I was looking at him like, wow, I watched you beat everyone's ass in one night. Like mm-hmm. he had multiple UFC fights. Matches, in one, yeah. yeah. So it's cool to see how far it's come. All right, I also want to talk to you about your entrepreneurial spirit. Because I don't know much, but I think I know enough to know that you are pretty handy with the steel when it comes to being a business owner. What do you do? I own an ultrasound business. So for pregnant women, um, I do 3D ultrasound. So I've been doing that for about seven years. And then I just opened a body sculpting business. So it's like laser lipo and cavitation and RF skin tightening, stuff like that. So that's like a whole new realm to me. I didn't have any experience. And I didn't have any experience with the ultrasound stuff either. So my degree is in marketing. Um, That's what I went to school for at PLU on the west side. And when we were deployed, not deployed, we were living in North Carolina, I think, at the time. And I was pregnant. Well, maybe it was Tennessee. I was pregnant with Cadence. And my friend said, you should go to this ultrasound place and find out if you're having a boy or a girl. And I was like, what? What do you mean? And she's like, yeah, you can go to these places and pay out of pocket. You know, it's not through your doctor. And you can find out if you're having a boy or a girl. So I was like, that's cool. So I went. 
And I was like, wow, I don't think we have any of these in Washington. But it's a cool concept, and I can tell that the place does very well. So I told my husband, I said, when we move back to Washington and know we're going to be there for a while, I'm going to open one of these. And he's like, what? Like, you've never done an ultrasound a day in your life. Like, wha why? And I said, because it's a business opportunity. And yep. I go, I'll learn to do ultrasound. I'll figure it out. So I found someone to train me um, over there, someone who owned a studio. And I said, hey, I'm not going to be your competitor. I'm, I'm going to open mine in Washington. Yeah. Train me. So she trained me. And when we moved to Washington, I um, opened my business. And my husband was very nice enough to give me his reenlistment bonus to start because there was some pretty heavy startup costs in it. Right. Um, and I just poured my heart and soul into it. Man, it like it consumed my life for a good three or four years. But I I remember going to like a like a business type conference with a company who helped people start up these types of businesses. Right. And the guy was talking about this mother daughter duo that had a studio in Florida and he's like, They are just printing money, they're making twenty thousand dollars a month and he was just speaking of them so highly and I said to myself, I'm going to beat them. Like, my, like I'm super competitive. I love that. I'm like, I'm going to beat that. He, I want him to be up here bragging about me in a couple years, about my studio in Washington. So I made that my goal, and I now have the most successful one in the entire country. Entire country. Yes. Are you going to scale it to other states or brand it, or are you happy? Are you moving on? Um, I did open a second location at one point that I ended up closing after a couple years for employee issues. Sure. Um, I think I'm just – mine – does so well on its own with so little maintenance. Like once you build a brand and build an empire, it really kind of starts to run itself. If you can get some good employees, like I don't pay for marketing. Like it's all word of mouth. Like I'm like the, the place to go. Like people know if you're going to ultrasound, you're going to mother nurture ultrasound. Like I just created that stigma in the community. Um, so it's, it's been awesome. Hmm. It's very rewarding. Super stoked for you. I love entrepreneurship. I'd like people that work for themselves, create businesses, invest in themselves, take risks, create systems, create time because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you hunt a lot. And that's the, the main thing that I want to do is create time. And so I just actually hired a second employee to free up my time with the ultrasound business. But instead of filling it with hunts, which I really want to do, I started the body sculpting business. Okay. And I'm going to get that up and going. And my goal here is, you know, my husband's going to retire in three years. Three more. Three more years. Bless his soul. He's going to hit 20 years. Extremely proud of him. He just picked up his E9, which is the highest Dang. highest you can go. Like in 17 years, picking up your E9 is something to be very proud of. Yeah. So um, I, when he retires, he's obviously going to have his monthly retirement. I'll have the money for my ultrasound business. But at no point do I want him to feel like he needs to go out and get a job. Sure. Like I want him to have the freedom. If he wants to be a stay-at-home dad, like whatever the hell he wants to do, like I want to set us up financially and we are already, but I also want us to maintain the life that we have where we can go on hunts and we can go to an elk-shaped camp together if yep. we want, you know. So getting that body sculpting business up and going in the next three years, that's kind of the purpose of that. Mm. And then I will keep those two businesses going, other people kind of managing them, and we'll see what happens after he retires, where we're going to move and, you know, what he's going to end up – he'll end up working eventually because he's going to get bored. Yeah, he'll find but something that he's passionate about. Yeah, it's not going to have to be where he has to get a job solely to make a certain amount of money. That's not yeah. what we want. You, so you guys aren't trading hours for dollars. You're, you're creating an empire, uh, and you have autonomy in your schedule. I think that's king, especially if you have a passion for hunting, which you obviously do. Uh, your hunting pedigree to me seems like – You've hunted a lot of places, and I follow you on Instagram. 
And I'm just always like, where is Sarah going to be next? (laughs) Honestly. And so there are people out there that follow you that um, maybe are jealous or just want to follow you to see, like, I just like to see what you're up to. uh, Because you're always going somewhere. Mm -hmm. You're always doing epic shit. Like, literally, which is really, I commend, I tip my hat to you. Do you, what is the downfall of having a large social media presence? Being beautiful, a woman, an entrepreneur, a wife, a mom, what are the downfalls? Um, I honestly don't think there's a whole lot of downfalls. I will say over the past couple years with this whole stigma of like a huntress, you know, like, so I, get it up. I always like it to tell this story because in my small town where I'm from, a small little logging town, like 2000 people at starting hunting at age 11, I was one of the only girls in mm-hmm. that town to hunt. And so I kind of was coined the huntress. Like that was like a name that I was given when I was really young. And so like, I remember when I started driving my, I got one of those custom license plate and it said huntress on it. Oh, I was really? 16 years old, That's cool. you know? And my MySpace, when MySpace came out, my MySpace name was Huntress. So, like, when I started my Instagram, well, Huntress, like, that was just so natural for me. And there was not a negative connotation, you know, for all those years. Interesting. And now, you know, there's this negative connotation with Huntress. And there's some women out there that, you know, say that they hunt or put stuff on social media more for attention, not because that's really what their lifestyle is. And so then when people, like... So when we talk about, we say we're from Washington, we kind of cringe. Now, when I say my Instagram handle and have to say Huntress, I almost cringe a little bit because I'm like, how is this person going to label me? Not knowing me, you know, if you don't follow me or whatever. So that's kind of what I feel like I'm up against. And I've thought about changing it, but I'm in marketing and I know what a brand is. Yeah. And I have tons of people that still see me at events and they might not even know my name. They're just like, oh, you're PNW Huntress. And I'm That's, like, yeah. okay, so what do I do about this? So uh-huh. I just try to do a really good job of putting out content that, it, you know, represents me. I'm, I'm not a fake person. I think people that follow me know that. Yeah. Like what you see is what you get. Like there's no smoke screen. I'm not doing shit for the gram. I'm doing stuff that I've done my whole life and I'm just documenting it and putting it out there. You know, that's abundantly apparent to me because uh, – um, I respect if you are in real life, what you are on social, I respect that. Um, I'm, I follow the same doctrine of no facades. Yeah. You either like me or you don't. And I know not everyone's going to like me. Cool with that. Uh, I think you do a good job. You've got a lot of hunting experience in the PNW. And um, obviously I've seen that you've, you've hunted all over the place. You're going hunting right now. After this podcast, shoot big white tails, public land, Idaho with a rifle. Uh, you're in down in Texas a lot, shoot, which is cool. And I have killed an animal high fence. Uh, and I have no problems with going back and doing it again. Yeah. I also don't mind low fence. White. I just want to go back to Texas. Texas is fun. I just it's like addicting. the environment. I like yeah. the people. I like the game rich environment. The opportunity. I, I just want to go <laughs> yeah. get reps in the red zone. And I right. have, I'm not embarrassed about it. Yeah. I would say that was some negativity now that you mention it as some of my Texas hunts. Okay. And it was really funny because one of the first Texas hunts I went on. So what people don't realize is my husband is gone sometimes six to eight months a year. You yeah. know, we've been married for 12 years, so he is gone. So my biggest challenge is finding time to go hunting and do trips and then take care of my kids and my business. So it's hard to find that balance in that time. And there might be a year where he's deployed and I can't go put in a week or two weeks on public land and hope that I get something. 
you know, like who's going to watch my kids during that time? Like it's not realistic at that point in my life because of the situation I'm in to be able to go out and do that and then might might come out empty-handed. I don't know, you know, if you've hunted a lot on the west side, but hunting blacktail and hunting Roosevelt elk is not easy. So there's, unless you can really put in the time, you're probably not going to get anything. Sure. So the first year I went to Texas, like I think my husband was deployed and I was like, I have this opportunity. I know I can probably get something. I can bring meat home. Yep. I had just started doing traditional archery. And I wanted a target-rich environment to yeah. be able to practice on that. I didn't want the first time I shot an animal to it be an elk, you know, with a stick bow. Like, I wanted to have some experience with some animals in front of me first. I respect that. And I got a lot of shit for going on that Texas hunt. And I was like, my husband's out fighting for our freedoms. I can't remember, Afghanistan or somewhere. And I'm try- I'm a woman who loves to hunt and loves to provide for my family and put me on the table. And if I'm limited in my opportunity to do that because he's gone and I want to go to Texas to do a meat hunt, then f*** you for whatever you have to say about sure. that. You know, like that really got me fired up when people were... And I wa- it wasn't like I was posting stuff and being like, oh, here's this public land whitetail. Oh, I was very transparent. Oh, I went to Texas and transparency. I, did a, I did a hunt in a high-fenced ranch. That's against uh, Huntress mean, Protocol on I Instagram. I know, right? Maybe I that was the problem. No, I just <laughs> want to say one thing. Um, be careful, people, if you come at Sarah. Her husband, who I've met in person, could eat you. <laughs> He's I don't know how to say guy. it any other way. <laughs> yeah. Like, and... Yeah. Okay. I totally get that. And I'm, we've been writing prescriptions, not literally, but figuratively speaking to these guys and gals who show up to these elk shaped camps who are wanting to get their first bow kill. And they're like at an elk shaped camp and they're like hoping it's going to be on their first elk hunt. And I'm like, you know what? It's probably not. I mean, it might, but good chance. You might want to go down to Texas, knock on some doors. I don't care if it's high fence, low fence, pay $500 trespass fee, go kill some pigs, go kill stuff. Yeah. Go, go gut it out. Butcher it yourself, bring home the meat, and get some blood on your hands before you try to go chase Wapiti on the old public land ranch. Yep. Yeah. That's no, that's advice. cool. Yep. Um, oh, what else I want to ask you? I know, oh, what was it? Mm, it doesn't matter. We're going to talk about Washington State. We're both from it. We're both embarrassed about it. <laughs> Why are we embarrassed about it? Here at Oakshape, we're very picky on who we decide to partner with. We take our brand very serious. And if we have a partner, we want to brag about them because we believe in them. Numa Outdoors, that's the clothing we wear. Discount code Elkshape20 will take 20% off your first order. Vortex Optics, Vortex Nation, proud partner since 2010. On X Hunt, become an elite member. This is the most reliable app for hunting on the market. Discount code Elkshape takes 20% off your elite membership. Buck Knives out of Post Falls, Idaho. They've been in business since 1902. Matthews Archery, a brand that not only has the same shared values, but continues to push technology and making the best bows on planet Earth. MagView, this is the digiscoping solution that simplifies the entire process. Discount code Elkshape takes 10% off. Wilderness Athlete, this brand makes supplements, does not specialize in marketing. They specialize in making you better and recover and being healthier discount code elkshape 22 will take 30 percent off your first purchase spy point trail cameras trail camology trail cams are an extremely useful tool to help you scout figure out game densities and understand animal behavior and they make very reliable trail cameras that you can count on kafaru international the hoodlum is my all-time favorite backpack for elk hunting i don't even know how many elk i've packed out with that pack but i always can count on it the frame is in a league of its own and aaron snyder is running a phenomenal company that we believe in crispy boots crispy usa crispy hunting these boots are the best bang for your buck minimal break-in period lots of flex ratings to suit your style and terrain that you hunt in check out a crispy dealer near you 
Baku e-bikes out of Ogden, Utah. E-bikes made for hunters, by hunters. Use them where legal. It's efficient, quiet, and exhaust-free way to get in and get out of your tree stand or your hunting location. Black Rifle Coffee Company. Coffee is life. And this is a veteran-owned Pro 2A company. Discount code Elkshape takes 15% off. BlackOvis.com is where I do all my shopping, and I use my own discount code, which is Elkshape. It takes 10% off. Fast and free shipping, a vast variety, and great customer service. Sheep Feet, Orthotics for the Hunter. Put these in your boot and elevate your game. Leak less energy, prevent injury, and hunt more efficiently. Discount code Elkshape takes 10% off. TheElkCollective.com, digital elk hunting education, video driven. Enter the discount code Elkshape Podcast, all one word, to save a few bucks and get to learning. Fatty Meat Sticks from Smokewood. These are my go to snacks when hunting. Protein and fat, great energy sources. Super convenient, delicious. You can find them at any convenience store near you. Marsupial out of Arizona. They make the best vinyl packs, period, handcrafted here in the USA, and we stand behind them. Uh, sometimes I'm like, why are we still here? But I know I'm still here because my husband's got three years left. And then we're out. Are you but going to Wyoming, Montana, I or think Idaho? Wyoming. I think because, you know, there might be some opportunities there for us or for him at least. And I feel like it's the last frontier at this point. I 100%. mean, even Idaho and Montana, which were on our list, are kind of getting infiltrated with the people that we're running from from Washington. But what I respect about you that I can't remember where you said it as a podcast, is, and people have brought this up to me, is like, well, you can't just run from it like why are you just trying to run from it you got why don't you stand up and try to fight it yeah and I'm like yeah you know we are fighters and I have I have fought so much there's so back during all the COVID stuff I went to all the rallies I was going to the school board meetings for my kids I was writing to congressmen Thank God I was like putting in a lot of time and effort and it's freaking exhausting yeah and it just feels like it's a never-ending fight and a never-ending battle and I just after three years, when he retires, I just feel like we're ready to move on. Mm. Like, I'm kind of done fighting Washington. <laughs> if I was being honest, I can't I, – I think you, you overheard my conversation with Alicia. My, my Alicia, the other Alicia that's here, a mutual friend who I absolutely – she listens to this. Love her to death. Love that woman. Um, yeah, we're, we're at a point where – we're, we're in a different financial position than we've ever been before because of delayed gratification, um, just making disciplined decisions for years and years. And knocking out debt has always been on my radar, and I've done it at a very slow pace just because I owned a gym. I didn't make shit for money. But I didn't, I've never been a really good at chasing money. I'm really good at chasing opportunity to have time. time yeah. And um, we're in this weird position where, like, okay, we owe nobody nothing. I don't care. I still want to move. Like I, I yeah. that's how I feel. Like I've, I, Alicia, I want to just move 20 minutes away to the other side of the border. Uh, I just want to be near a community that has, that's like-minded. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to happen, Sarah. I, you know, my kids walk to school. Mm. I can shoot 120 yards yeah. in my yard. I have a gym right here and I don't owe anybody anything. I don't know if I'm going to be able to move. Okay? Yeah. And I had an opportunity. I had a house in Idaho. Um, and I wasn't about to play the, oh, claim residency in Idaho and get an Idaho driver's license. But you got license. accused of doing. For sure. Right? But you didn't. Never you didn't done do that. that right? But maybe I should have. But <laughs> my point in all this is that I'm, I'm staying. Okay? So I have to fight. Yeah. I have this many days in the fall hunting this state. Zero. I haven't hunted Washington one day this year. Spring, I did a little bit of turkey hunting. I don't hunt here enough to really, like have the fire to fight, but it doesn't like, that's not the point of this conversation. If we could just convince the folks listening to spend 50% less of their time worrying about what other people's bow brand or <laughs> did they hunt public or private right. or with a guide or without, or 
measuring penises is mm-hmm. what I call it. I hate the ego in hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, when you tell me you had a successful season because I asked you, then that's okay for you to show me a picture on your phone. But if you come up to me and you're like, check out this, and you cram your f- – like, I I am allergic to that shit. And I don't even go to, like, ATA anymore because when iPhones came out, I went to ATA show, <laughs> and, and it's just like – just oh, yeah. brag, 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 brag. And I'm just, I don't know. I've just never been into that. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I think we could take a lot of that energy um, and put it towards not tearing each other down and fighting this fight that is silent. Please tell the listeners, like, what is going on in this state? There's a fight out there that we're not even engaged in. Yeah, pretty much because this organization just kind of slipped in. Um, they're a new organization, and they just started, like, a year ago, and I'm pulling it up on my phone to remember the name, Washington Wildlife First. And their mission is to transform the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife from a model of consumptive use to one that prioritizes the preservation of natural ecosystems. That's and they got what, a nice wolf on the head of their website. <laughs> yeah. That's basically who they are, the people that are wanting to, you know, reintroduce wolves into all the states. Um, but, yeah, they're basically trying to change the layout of our um, game department because it's primarily, you know, people like-minded, people like us who are hunters. And they are coming in and wanting to kind of basically spew their – All animals have rights. All the predators need to, you know, live free amongst everyone else without being hunted. And just their radical ideas that they're putting out. I mean, they're lobbying our government to change, to transform fish and wildlife in the state. So essentially eliminate hunting as the the proven model. Yes. They refuse to accept the science that it's a proven model. Like you add value or you apply value to an animal by hunting it. People pay the hunt will also provide the resources f- to make sure or to ensure that the animal's well-being is taken care of. I still believe that to be true. I think Africa is always something you can go back to and look at the model. Yep. You know, if somebody wants to shoot a freaking giraffe and pay X amount of dollars, there's going to be giraffes. The second nobody wants to shoot a giraffe – well, I don't, but the second yeah. that nobody does, there probably won't be drafts, you know? Right. So it's such a weird dichotomy. Yeah. Do you think, um, this agency is having success by just being so bold? Like I haven't heard of an agency just straight up like advertise, Hey, yeah, no, we're like literally want to get rid of hunting. We think it's barbaric. It doesn't, it's unnecessary. It's unproven science. Mm -hmm. Um, is that their bold move? That's what it sounds like from, I got on their website and was, you know, reading through everything and it 
they're pretty, yeah, they're pretty out there. And they went to the biggest convention a couple of weeks ago, the biggest uh, biologist, wildlife biologist convention of the year. It's an annual thing. And it was in Spokane. Yeah. And they went to that so that they could do these seminars and kind of try to spew their propaganda now to these biologists. And so I'm just praying that these people like stick to what they know and stick to the science and everything that's proven, like you said, and and don't let these people get to them. But I just feel like they're already going into these conferences. They want to be seen. They want to be heard. They're bold. They're coming in strong. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that didn't know about it. And I'm like, okay, where's our side? Like, we need to get a, a grip on this where wherever they're going, we need to be there too and tell our side of the story. Yep. And so that's what I, and there are some organizations like Sportsman's Alliance. I was going to say, that's the main one that I would support out of all these would be Mm -hmm. Sportsman's Alliance. Yeah, but I just wish there was something a little bit more locally, like within Washington, that we can kind of keep our finger on the pulse of what these other coalitions are doing. So there's another thing that just came out recently, and we're just sticking with Washington, where Fish and Game, not Washington, but United States Fish and Game, are kind of working under the radar under the Endangered Species Act and another group are like teaming up to basically get grizzlies back in the northern cascades. That's mm. their language. I didn't say like back as in they were there originally. I don't know if they were, but quite honestly, they just want to get grizzlies back into the northern cascades. Now we have lots of grizzlies in Washington, whether people want to admit it or not, biologists do. Um just go into the Samuel Priest Wilderness. Yeah. Northeastern Washington's got a lot of grizzlies. And um, we get a lot that come down from Canada back and forth. We've had wolves in this state yeah. long before reintroduction, yeah. quote unquote. Um, there's been wolves coming and going. And um, my question is for the biologists is like, put emotions aside. Predator-prey ratios. It seems like Washington is not a candidate to just have wolves not being managed by hunters and let them go run amok. Like we're going to continue to see ranching conflicts uh, and the protocols that they want these ranchers to use do not work. Hazing wolves (laughs) are killers, man. They're apex. Like, and uh, not having a tag or trapping. And um, my poor buddies up in Bonner's Ferry stuck in the rut guys, man, that whole community up there is right next to Washington, the Purcells, um, the Selkirks, they're very good at hunting wolves. Yeah. But you know God what? Bless them. <laughs> no matter how many they knock down, our state is going to continue to just backfill. Yeah. They could take out an entire pack by trapping and shooting in a drainage right in the Selkirks. Don't worry. The Washington, wolves will continue to grow in Washington and just and right over, over and backfill. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's like our fate, our state affects other states regardless. Yeah. And it's just really disheartening to like see all the promotion of more grizzly bears. More wolves. You can't spring bear hunt in 2022. You can't spring bear hunt in 2023. You can't run dogs on mountain lions. Can't bait. Like, you, I mean, you they, can't they bait take for away bears. baiting, took away, yeah, hound hunting. Now they're taking away spring bear. It's like the writing's on the wall. They want to get rid of hunting. Yeah, they're chipping away. They're just chipping away at it. Yeah. And they're doing a damn good job yeah. while we are over here bickering on a forum about <laughs> right. how stupid we are as hunters and constantly ego bashing and Tearing measuring. each other down, yeah. So what do we do from here? I don't know. I think we just need to, we need to get a group going. And I think part of the problem is too is I think these 
groups have it in their head that like the stereotypical hunter is some like middle-aged man sitting in, you know, on the porch on his trailer, drinking beer and shooting bucks off his back porch for, for a trophy. I don't think they've realized like what the hunting community is. Like if one of these people saw me walking down the street, they would probably never guess in a million years how important hunting is to me and how important it is to my family or my daughter, my 10-year-old daughter who is now, or 11-year-olds who's now hunting. And I just wish that they could see like the kind of people we are, but I don't think they just stereotype us, these cold-blooded, heartless killers yeah. that just want to put antlers on the wall. And so I don't know if we need to do a better job at expressing like what the type of people that hunt, that it's all ages, all races, male, female, and then just break down the stereotypes. They seem to be more them. organized than us, and they seem to be <clears throat> on the same side. Like, they're all – they're just a better team. Yeah, they are. They're a better team. They have better it's synergy. Yep. And then we're over here just divided. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Talk to me about Governor Jay Inslee. Huge fan of him. God. Huge fan. <laughs> um, really oh. bummed to see his run for presidency didn't go through. Uh, but he – by the way, 50 cents additional – on your gas bill per gallon starting January 1st. I heard. Mm-hmm. And the federal government said, hey, Jay Inslee, you don't have to do that this year uh, because of the shortage. And he's like, nah, I want the 50 cent bump. We already have one of the highest taxes yeah, at any state any on state. gas mm-hmm. because he hates fossil fuels. So look forward to that. I'll be getting gas in Idaho as <laughs> per usual, benefits of where I live. Uh, talk to me about him appointing or something with the Wildlife Commission. Fish and Game Commission, like he's handpicked anti-hunters? Yes, and that's part of what Explain these groups... Explain I mean, I don't know a whole lot about it, and I, and I do need to do more research, but yeah, now he is able to appoint people whose belief systems align more with his, and so that's what you're saying. We're taking away the logic and the science behind it, and we're filling, we're replacing it with people that want to make decisions based off emotion, and I just wish that there was more education to those people that they don't realize... That they t- Okay, for instance, spring bear. They took away our spring bear. We were the ones that managed the bear population. In their minds, do they really think that now all these animals just live on and flourish and they save lives of bear? Do they not realize that timber companies are, and I've heard, I've seen evidence of this, allowed to poison. They're poisoning the bears to manage the population and given permission from the state to do it. The state is hiring basically contract killers yep. to go out. And not even utilizing those bear will get buried in a hole somewhere, thrown in a trash can. You're not saving a lot these animals' lives. It's just different people taking the lives that care a hell of a lot less about them than we, we do. We pay them to do and that. And then the taxpayers, these these people, their tax dollars are paying for these contracted killers to go manage the bear population that they took away from us. Mm. And we're the people that are putting the money into the conservation, buying the tags, the licenses eating the meat most of the time. Bear meat's one of my favorite. Not sure. very many people eat bear meat. Where I'm from, bear meat's very good because of what they eat. They, mm. Their diet's primarily berries. Bear meat is one of my favorite. I put it in my kids' lunches. They take it to school for lunch. Um, Spring bear meat is better, in my opinion, than fall bear meat. Yeah. You know, the options are real clean that time of year. And we... I, I read a piece, and obviously there's people listening who know way more than both of us, and maybe they're cringing a little bit. Like, <laughs> yeah, listen okay. to these two knuckle draggers. <laughs> Guys, we're just trying to bring awareness to stuff that is new to us, too, is 
they didn't think it was ethical to hunt bears during their mating season. And I just was like, record scratch, stop. Like, we hunt most of the animals during their mating season. And I think it's a great idea because bears live so much longer than ungulates. People don't understand like bears, a 30 year old bear happens. There is no such thing as a 30 year old elk. elk. Yeah. Right. Okay. And then bears are really good at reproducing. It's not like they have, they, most sows have twins. Yeah. Period. Whereas do most deer have twins? No, probably not. In fact, I would say odds are that even cows, calves, does, fawn relations, it's usually one, maybe two. And, um, they don't live long. Like, People get excited about a four and a half year old whitetail. You know what I mean? Right. It's made it past the three and a half years of starting to show signs of maturity. A four and a half year old black bear is a baby. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. And so they live a longer time on the landscape. They are opportunists. They do eat calves. They do eat fawns. Nothing against them, but veal's delicious. And you would do the same if you were them. Like, there's yeah. the, not a lot of menu options in the spring. 1,000 yards from where you're sitting right now, a black bear was killed two weeks ago by fishing game. There's not enough hunting pressure around here to have bears know where they belong. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be continue to be more conflict as we shut down. We have an abundance of black bear. I guess that's what I'm trying to say, Sarah. Mm -hmm. Washington State has an abundant black bear population. And they've proven that like even at those meetings, I think they, they brought all the information forward to these people. They just, I don't know. It's very, very frustrating. It fires me up. We have a lot of cats. We have a lot of bears. We have wolves that, that are untouchable. Mm -hmm. We have grizzlies that are untouchable. So again, I guess we're campaigning for action steps. If you're listening to this podcast is like Sarah and I live in this state. We're fed up. Um, I like the guys over at P&W Wild or yeah. P&W Wild. Yeah. I like that what they're doing. They seem to be pretty vocal, Jeff and the boys over there. Yeah. Um, but Sportsman's Alliance, I've had Brian. I can't remember his, what's his last name. He lives here in Spokane. Oh, does he? He okay. works for Sportsman's Alliance. Okay. He's very intelligent, and he's at the forefront. And I like Sportsman's Alliance, as he's explained to me. Their proceeds go to Washington to pay for the lawyers to fight for we as sportsmen. So if you, you know – I'm a lifetime member of like backcountry hunters and anglers. I regret that decision. I haven't said that vocally. It's the first time I've ever said that. I didn't know back then that they were going to be politically so far from me. Yeah. And that was $1,000 to become a lifetime member. I'm not getting that back. Um, Do they do good stuff? Sure. But not compared to Sportsman's Alliance. Like they're truly fighting for we as Sportsman's. And there's other great organizations out there. Does any of them come to mind that you know Um, isn't how how.org yes. that's a good one they're yes. constantly posting i'm seeing yeah so how to me is like the newest and most exciting one of them all because they they're like providing people with an email template yes, uh, a social media template they make it very uh, a easy a phone number mm-hmm. if you want to pick up the phone who to reach where to send it like like their their action items are incredible yes and I actually just used one of their links the other day when I had to write in about the um, the spring bear issue because we had the opportunity to do that. And then there was one that was mentioned in this article that w- when it was talking about these new organizations that are coming up. There is this one in Colville, um, pro-hunting organization called Northeast Washington Wildlife Group. Oh. So they are one of the ones that are kind of combating what's going on right now. 
Well, I know one of the guys over at Howl, and it's H-O-W-L for wildlife.org, and uh, he's in Arizona, and uh, I'm going to get him on the podcast to break it down. And um, one of the groups that I'm a member of for Idaho is um, the Foundation for Wildlife. Look them up. 35 bucks a year. If you kill a wolf, if you harvest kill a wolf in Idaho, they will reimburse you up to $1,000. $1,000, yeah. Okay. And it really adds up. So I always end up with a couple wolf tags every year. I always renew my membership. And mainly I'm chipping in for these guys that are like running trap lines, man. Yeah. Like that is so expensive to run a trap line and it's, you know, mad respect for those. But without those trappers, uh, I'm here to tell you, North Idaho's elk would be extinct. Oh, yeah. And I have chose not to even hunt North Idaho for the last three years just because it's depressing because I knew what it used to be like. Right. And I'm afraid that that trend is starting to spread to other units and heading south. And it's just there's that constant battle of relisting, delisting, suing the courts, getting things caught up in litigation. And, yeah. man, our our opponent is smart and organized and they get along. Yep. And we are smart, but we're not organized and we don't get along. Correct. So what yes. do we do from here, sir? Like I said, I just think we need to get some groups going that are actually putting boots on the ground. I mean, we have the we have the things that you see on social media where it's like send an email here, but I want to like I want to go to these events like these other groups are and show up, you know, and put in our two cents. Like that's what we need to do. Yeah. Um it's easy just to sit behind a keyboard. You know, too yeah. many of us do that. So um, I don't I don't know. I guess I suppose I could reach out to maybe this one organization I just mentioned that's here in Washington and learn more about what they're doing. That would be And great. then just try to spread the word and see if we can get people that are willing to start actually showing up to these things. Yeah. Oh, the guy's name is Brian Lynn. That's who it is from. Okay. He just lives a couple minutes from away. From Sportsman's Alliance. Yeah. yeah. And he's brilliant and he's passionate and he's in the trenches and uh, I, I don't know, man, like at this point, it's, it could be, you could be discouraged or you get fired up and be encouraged. Yeah. I don't think people realize how crucial it is to do something now, because if these organizations get what they want, where they replace all the seats in the game department, that we're done. Mm -hmm. Those people have free reign to do whatever they want to do, make whatever decisions and win, win the vote every time. Cause they're the majority. Yeah. How many total seats are there? Is it nine? Nine, I think. Yeah. And I think right now five are same like-minded as, you know, trying to push these crazy agendas that the five that voted against this. When is Bear. Jay Inslee out of office? God, I, well, that's the problem in Washington. There's no, um, what do you call it? Like term, term limits. Limit? There's no term You're limit. You're kidding me. No, I'm not kidding you. Man. And we saw what just happened with the, you know, Tiffany Smiley didn't get in. Which, no, she didn't so, even come close. No. I uh I thought maybe she had a chance, you know, but mm -hmm. uh no, Patty Murray's been in office forever. So long, gosh. I mean Since seriously I was a kid, career I politician. Right. And uh yeah, it is what it is. I don't know, politics are not my, my thing. I'm not very good at any of this kind of stuff to be honest. I'm kinda like this isn't my strength. Right. But well, uh it it wasn't mine either, you know. Like I actually didn't even start voting until I was in my late twenties. And you follow me enough, you see some of the stuff I post. I'm extremely passionate about now, and I'm passionate about now because I'm find seeing more and more ways that it's personally affecting me. Mm -hmm. When I was in my twenties, I I remember I when I was in North Carolina, I worked for a really prestigious, rich lawyer that's a huge Republican, puts tons of money towards the campaigns, and 
there was an election going on and he asked if I voted. And I said, no, I, I didn't vote. And he's like, you didn't vote? And I said, no. And he's like, well, why? And I said, because that doesn't affect me. I mean, that's the mindset that yeah. I had as yeah. in my early 20s. And then I met my husband. And a big part of why I started voting is because I have someone that fights for our freedoms. <laughs> and I feel that. like it's a damn <laughs> slap in the face and, you know, disrespectful to him to yeah. not take advantage of those liberties and freedoms that I have. So that was part of it. But then I just started seeing all these ways that my life was affected. Like, for example, during COVID, when Inslee took these drastic measures and shut down our whole entire state, my business was supposed to be shut down. Like, for months, for months, if I followed all the rules that he was putting out, I should have closed down my business. And I said, no, I'm not doing that. And I went to Caleb and I said, how do you feel about me just completely saying f*** off Inslee and keeping my business open? And it's not going to be good. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, but if you're okay with it, I want to do it. And he said, I support you with whatever you do. So I kept my business open and a lot of scary shit happened. I mean, the state would write to me and threaten me and tell me they were going to find me. They were going to yank my business license. The health department was on my ass. Like there were times when I thought, oh, I built this empire and it's about ready to get taken away from me. Am I going to roll over and do what everyone else is doing or am I just going to tough it out? And I chose to tough it out and it was freaking, it was some of the most two stressful years of my life. Mm. I realized it's stressful for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. Like yeah. we were in the same boat, you know, in a lot of ways, but that was hard for me. And then, um, just like all the, all the gun laws and crap that they passed too. like now in Washington, you have to have your firearms in your house locked in a safe. Really? Yep. And if, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, you're safe right there with all your guns. Yep. Um, so like for me with my husband being gone and, and where the I, magazine thing, yeah, that changed too. You can't have more than 10 or they took, yeah, yeah. that was a recent one. Oops. I mean, um, yeah. 10. So, so for me being at home with my kids by myself, with my husband gone, you better believe I sleep with a pistol right on 100%. my nightstand. Before the law changed, I did that, right? Right. Before the law changed, that's what I did. So, because if someone breaks in my house, what am I supposed to do? Go down to where my safe is, do my combo while someone's breaking in my house, could rape, kill me, my children, whatever. I need to take 10 minutes to go get my gun out of the safe. No. Yeah, no, the the whole gun control is a whole, like, that's a whole nother podcast. I mean, of, it is, but. There's this thing I learned um, I'm not going to throw this dude under the bus cause he's an amazing human being, but w- right during the C word time, uh, I had just sold my gym and I had like, C hadn't happened yet. And then my poor buddy who bought my gym, like freaking that hits. It's like, mm-hmm. cool. You've owned the gym for three months and now like they're forcing you all these restrictions, eventually going to shut you down. Well, I met a guy who was working for labor and industries took the job during that time and they were at first it was awesome. And then like eventually he like his, basically his conscience started getting to him. Like he's going to businesses like yours mm-hmm. and like spying and like tattletelling yeah. and getting tips yeah. and like writing fines left and right, finding these small businesses and entities, um, in the name of safety or whatever. And, uh, he just told me eventually he's like, Dude, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't look myself in the mirror. I quit. But he told me so many people quit. They started incentivizing big-time bonuses for you to stay on. Like insane, like ten, fifteen thousand dollars bonuses to stay on so you can get written up businesses. Right. And when I learned like the government was spending that much kind of money to get people to stay on board, to go around and write, I'm just like, 
just disgusting. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so many people lost their livelihood. Businesses that have been in business for decades, yeah. family-owned businesses, it breaks my heart. Yeah, it's it sad that they opened it up to the public. Our state did. I think we were one of the only states for people to write in and turn in businesses. And then that list got leaked. And when it got leaked, I searched my business was turned in five times just oh, by really? the random public. Yep. So, I mean, Karen got, got you five times. Yeah. Well, guess what? I stayed open every single day of the whole entire thing. Yeah. And the, guy got, the state didn't do anything. It was all idle threats. They're just bullying and it makes me wonder, it just makes me wish there was more people that would have done that. And maybe it was scary. Like, yeah, it was scary, but I did it and it turned out to be okay. And I wish more people maybe would have done that. Man, the stuff's it's, heavy. I mean, it's but, not like the most positive podcast I've ever no, done. No, it's not. But it's stuff with, that when you think it doesn't affect you. Like, there, because there's a lot of people, just like the conversation about what's happening at the wildlife department. People don't think it's, it's, trust me, it is going to affect you if these changes happen. And it maybe if it doesn't affect you right away, it's going to affect your kids. And if you want your kids to grow up and hunt and you plan on staying in the state, you better start speaking up. That's what I think about. But. I think about precedents mm-hmm. where our little state can set precedents that other Others states follow. And, mm-hmm. you know, Oregon, California, and Washington seem to be in alliance. Mm-hmm. And then they just slowly leak, leak, leak. And, um, yeah, strange times. But I, I think if we're not, like, if we're ignoring it, we're which you and I are not. We are talking about it openly. And some people might not like what we have to say. That's okay. You can choose to not listen to this episode or not this podcast or not to follow either one of us. But we're passionate hunters. We love wildlife. We love wild landscapes. And we love wild meat. Yeah. Most important. You know. All right. Let me me ask you some fun stuff outside of this nonsense. And um, you shoot a PSC. I do. Uh, What are you shooting right now? Uh, The Mach 1. I'm a big fan of their carbon bows. Okay, that's a carbon bow. So yeah. I don't know a lot about PSC. Okay. Uh, I know that John Dudley makes levitates yes. or something. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then, um, and I've seen a lot of those at attack and stuff like that. They, what's their new bow for this year? The Omen they came out with, and then they just did the Mach 34, so the 34 inch. That's carbon? Um, yep, that's carbon. And yep. what is the Mach 1 um, ATA? The 32, oh, okay. 32 and a half maybe. All right. Do you shoot for PSC or are you just like an unbiased consumer? Um, I don't have like a contract with them, but okay. I'm kind of on their like hunt staff, their hunt yeah. nation that they have. Yeah. Cool. So I try to, um, I mean, and I'm, I'm one of those people where I will try the products first. Like I don't go to a company and ask them for like something and never have even tried their products. Like yeah. I've never done that. It's always just like I fall in love with a product and then I'm like, hey, maybe I can help this company out. Let me call them, find out what their marketing needs are. Yeah. And if it's something where that's a good fit, then we go from there. So I came across PSC when I went to the ATA. My brother and I went together a couple years ago and we walked around and shot all the flagship, like all the new bows for the year. And we both fell in love with PSE. We mm-hmm. were just like, yep, this is a good bow. And then we did it the next day. Same thing. Walked around. Same thing. PSE. So I was like, yeah, I really like this PSE. So I went and got one and fell in love with it. And then, you know, contacted PSE. Hey, you know, can I help you with your marketing stuff? And kind of just went from there. So That's it's cool. pretty laid back relationship. That's like a great way to be. Uh, that's a great way to do business. Like, yeah, try a product out. Don't like it. Don't promote it. Try a product out. Fall in love with it. Then reach out. Yeah. And be like, hey, I want to work with you guys a little bit if you need it. If you don't, that's cool too. I'm still going to use your product. Right. What a great business model. Influencers, listen to that. <laughs> um, who owns PSE? Pete Shepley, but 
I don't know. There's <laughs> is this a baited question? Oh yeah. <laughs> God damn it, Dan. <laughs> but there's rumors that that's changing, and I don't know for sure how true those rumors are. Okay. I just wanted to know if you knew something solid. I or mean, not. from what I hear, it seems like it's. Elk Shape Camps 2023. What goes on at Elk Shape Camp? A lot of stuff, but basically I can distill it down to this. We're going to sniff out your weaknesses, write you up a blueprint to tackle them head on and make sure that you're consistently getting into elk. You're consistently training and eating clean year round. You're disciplined and dialed at home, at your job or employment, and that you're making disciplined decisions that are going to lead to more success in life and in the mountains. Phoenix, Arizona, January 20th through the 22nd at Wilderness Athlete HQ, March 3rd through the 5th in Stonewall, Texas, right next to Numa HQ, Julian Ranch, California, March 31st through April. April 2nd. This is in SoCal right outside of San Diego. Plus, we are going to do our inaugural women's only elk shape camp on March 30th. Gals, you are invited. It's a women's only event on the 30th, and then you'll jump right into the rest of the camp. We also have a couple discounts. Make sure to shoot us an email if you want to know about that. Vortex Edge in Wisconsin, April 14th through the 16th. We came here last year. It's such an amazing facility. It's so easy to put on a camp there. We can't wait to meet more Wisconsin or Midwest folks. And last but not least is a two-day intensive camp for Elite Onyx members only in Green Acres, Washington, June 17th through the 18th. Early bird prices go until October 31st. Regular prices kick in November 1st and late registration starts January 1st, 2023. We hope to meet you at Elk Shape Camp near you-ish. And we have military discounts regardless if you're currently serving or have served in the past. Email us to inquire within. Probably plausible that's going to happen. Okay, fair enough. We'll have to see how that goes. It's Um, probably going to change some things. Well, we'll have to keep an eye on it. the bow hunting world is is a small one. Um, this week, I've posted some content on these new bows over here in the corner. And yeah, I've been watching that. You're man, Matthews guy. Man, there are a lot of angry people about like not <laughs> enough changes from last year. And I just um, here's what I'm campaigning for, folks. Everything we've talked about today. This should cover all of it. I want life to be harder. I wish life would be way harder for all of us because we have too much time to, to bitch to talk. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Keyboard it, yeah. bitch about stuff, complain and about the dumbest stuff, make stupid laws and rules. I just I just need life to be harder. Yeah. That's it. I agree. Or people just need to find more things to do, more things that they're passionate about. Because with me, like you said, I'm always on the go. Yeah. My life is insane. I don't have the time to do that shit. Mm. And when people are complaining, bitching about stuff, I'm like, really? That's what you chose to do today? Mm-hmm. Like you had 24 hours and there's so many great things you could do. And that's what you're putting your energy towards. Guess what I did today? I went and shot my bow. I did, you know, like, yeah, I just have too much better things to do. So I just, yeah, I wish people could find something they're passionate about. And okay. What's your favorite, it. like, what's your favorite thing to, I know elk is up there, but like, what have you not done that you're like, man, that's on my high up on my list. And I'm like, I know you, you're like, you, you might just go do it. So like yeah. what's on your list? Um, grizzly bear, brown bear with my bow. Talk to me. I'm 100% doing it. When? Uh, probably 2024 because any outfitter you want to go with is really booked out. And I have a family friend that he's retiring. So it's going to be his last couple years doing it. He lives up in um, Juneau. He's a guide in Juneau, Alaska. And so I'm working with him, hoping to get in with him before he officially retires. But that I did my Cape Buffalo hunt and that was a big hunt for me. And I loved the adrenaline rush of it. I love that not very many other women had done that, you know, spot and stock. Like it was scary. We got charged three times, thought I was going to die. And I kind of, I kind of liked that. I was like, this is a good rush. Holy, you did so, that. Yeah. I, I did s- not know that. I spot and stocked a, ca- a Cape Buffalo with my bow. Wow. Like an open area where it comes after you. It's basically trampling you. <laughs> I think I saw a picture from Ranch Ferry. 
He yes. might have showed me that I on his phone. I think he did, and he did a presentation at one of your elk camps. And I think yep. he had a photo of me in the. I saw that. That was you. I yep. used him for my arrow build to help. I have had him help me with my arrow build. So tell us about your arrow build for that, and um, I mean that's awesome. Oh, I have to think back. So I think it was like a seven hundred and fifty grain arrow that we ended up with. It was a serious arrow. And then a tough head broadhead that we used. It looked like a freaking lawn dart. I mean, I and can't what remember what pounders did you shoot? I used seventy five. At a girl, so, you do what do you do fitness wise? You're jacked. Just CrossFit when I oh, can, you which said is the not word. very not enough. That's another big thing. I say if the one regret I have in my life is I can't work out consistently enough mm-hmm. because of my schedule. And yes. I'm not like I know people make excuses. Sometimes I wish I could have a reality TV show where people could see what my day is like. I mean, it's just <laughs> freaking insane. Like with my husband gone, two kids, running businesses, it's just insane. So I try really hard to get to the gym whenever, whenever I can. I'm at the gym. But I had to work up for a year. I trained to get up to that poundage. Mm-hmm. And PSE sent me some limbs for my bow. And I don't think I could have done it with any other bow. I've trod, tried other draw cycles, you know, and I just can't muscle it. Yeah. But the PSE bows I can, so um, it worked out good. That was a good. What was, was the shot event. distance? Twenty-five yards. Look at you. Which they told me they wanted it twenty yards, and we tried and tried to get the twenty yards, and it wasn't happening. Finally, the PH was like twenty-five yards. Just do it, you know, because the penetration is the issue. You know, their yeah. hide is so thick. Yeah. And then getting through their ribs, which their ribs like accordion over themselves. So you have, I mean, you you're going to ha- hit. You don't have a chance of going through ribs. Wow. Depending on how they're standing. So yeah. So it was, it was crazy. <laughs> to so the grizzly bear, I'm on the same program as you. Like that's okay. like the one. Like I don't have a desire to really go to Alaska and hunt moose and float down. Like and sounds cool, but it's during that, yeah. elk season. Not in like, right. Not missing elk. I'm like simpleton. I just like chasing bugles. I know what I like. Uh, but bears are like my number two. Like love spring bear hunting. Like I do an insane amount. But the coastal brown bear has my number. Want to do that? So I'm with you. But I need to find an outfitter that I've told Cole Kramer before. That I'm going to hunt with him and he's kind of laughed, but I wasn't joking. Yeah, you're like, I, I And do. I'm like, look, let's get a contract. I need a payment plan. Yeah. Like, let's set up for 2030. Right. It's Let me so start paying expensive. you X amount a year. We're better uh, just to move there so that yeah. we can get residency and then do it. I've thought, I've literally thought about t- telling Caleb, like once you retire, let's just move to Alaska for a few years to get all the bucket list items. Cause he's a moose guy. He wants to shoot a moose. Oh, That's yeah. his You guys should do that. It's just so scratch let's that just move to Alaska. We'll get a residency. We'll do our hunts and then we'll go to Wyoming or wherever. One of my best <laughs> friends is moving to Alaska. Uh, he's a pharmacist. He was in the military. He served a while and I'm excited for him, man. Like him and his yeah. whole family, like they moved to New Mexico and did the elk thing, the elk guiding. I've gone oh, down there and shed hunted with them. Like they moved to New Mexico for elk. Mm-hmm. Literally. That's and now the place to go. they've yeah. scratched that itch. He killed a magnificent bull with his bow this year. Now they're moving to Alaska. They're, they're really into fishing. Oh, okay. They're going to do the fishing, the black, I mean, the moose, all that stuff. What a cool family yeah. to just be like, have chapters in their life <laughs> right. that are planned out like that. I envy them. Yeah. It's creative. Well, That's thank awesome. you for coming by. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I don't think so, man. I, I appreciate you having me on. I look up to you a lot. I love your stuff. I love, I think we're very similar where we're both honest, straightforward people. And yeah. I have to say when we went to the elk shape camp, that was what I really appreciate is you're like, I'm not here to waste your time. Like you, and my husband hates like all the extra fluff and shit that people can throw in yeah. to those type of things. So on the first couple minutes that we were there is like, we're utilizing every minute 
because you guys spent money on this. Like, I love that about you. You yeah. just, you cut straight to the chase. There's yeah. no fluff. There's no BS. There's no smoke screens. And so I think you do a great job at that. And I think that I, I always recommend your camp. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. That's cool. I was intimidated that you guys signed up because I knew you had had prior success. And I know that my camp isn't just about elk hunting success. So I had to like hit the reset button. Like, all right, no matter what, I want to bring value to this lifestyle that it sounds like you lead where you just don't, you get the juice and you get every drop. And it's like that as many reps as possible mentality in everything we do in life. Yeah. I want as much time with my family. I want as much time as with my fitness, my business. I just like life's too short to not give it everything, everything. you got. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's cool. Um, I'm going to put a link in the show to your Instagram. You already have a lot of followers, but maybe we'll get you some more. Sarah's a great follow. Very, very entertaining and fun to be. I'm in love being jealous about how crazy your schedule is, but I know how much work that is too. <laughs> I want to put a link to your um, business in okay. Washington. What is the name of it? Mother Nurture Ultrasound. That is so rad. Um, and you. then what's your new business name? Flatten the Curve Body Sculpting. <laughs> I had to do it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And then your next hunt is this week. So you're yeah. in Idaho. So yeah. post some stories. If you I get will. cell phone, let us see how miserable it is and it's cold. It's going to be cold. Deer yeah. should be moving. Taking my daughter. I'm excited. We're going to do a mother-daughter hunt, and I'm really stoked for that. What's she shooting? She's She has a 243. Perfect. Savage 243, and she's comfortable with that. We just did some work with Joel. Oh, um, smart. Like, I know his stuff well enough. I've, I've done it a million times, but I don't know if your kids are like this. Kids are not receptive to their parents, so I'll try to work with her. Either are wives. <laughs> yeah. I've had Alicia true. work with Joel. Yeah. I'm that's done coaching the best her. way to do it. So I have Caden, and Caden's loves you. He's so, so good with kids, mm. and so he uh, did work with her. She was shooting out to 100 yards with that thing, just nailing Perfect. it. So she's ready, and she she's hunted a lot. She's though, right? hunted. Yep, she shot a really nice black tail in Washington. She has hunted in Texas with me, which that's another good place to take kids. My kids are going I doe mean, hunting it really in Texas, is. and people are like, "Why you take her to Texas?" Now she thinks this is what hunting is. I'm like, "Cause she just needs some trigger time, bud." I will explain to her this is not how it's going to be when we're in Washington, and it's not going to always be this easy. But I would still like her to have for sure the time, you know, the experience to do to at least put something on the ground yeah <laughs> when Washington don't always get the opportunity so yeah I'm stoked for her and I to go out and do this um you know Caleb's gone so that's kind of a bummer he's usually here with us on yeah. this trip but um it's good for her to her and I to spend that time together I get I should have asked this in the beginning since I do have a man crush how did you meet Caleb <laughs> at a bar no yeah way. so random right we've been together for 12 years have a phenomenal marriage and met him at a bar in Washington and he told me he was a firefighter um being a, what he does in the army they don't just always come out and be like oh hi I'm a green beret you know yeah. like they just don't introduce themselves that way in fact in 12 years I have you talk about people bragging like about hunting yeah I have never once in my life in 12 years being married to that man had heard him bring up what he does and he's a bad Ass. That guy is a badass. He has so much he could brag about, right? Yeah. I've never heard him even tell people. What He's he pretty does. humble in He's real life too. Humble. Like, 
yeah, so he did not tell me what he did. And then for like several weeks, I thought he was a firefighter. <laughs> and then I guess when he was serious enough that he thought he wanted to like date me, date me, he's like, I need to tell you something. And I was like, oh, great. Oh, like, what could why? this be? <laughs> Is he married? You know, and he's like, I'm a Green Beret. And I had no connection with military on any level. I didn't know one person right. in the military. And so I didn't even know what a Green Beret was. That's freaking no embarrassing. Way. And I'm just staring at him like, okay. And you could tell he's almost like a little bit insulted. And I said, what are we talking about here? And he's like, you know, like special forces, do you know what that is? And I was like, yeah. So I went home and Googled it. And I was like, oh, shit, man, I've got a big decision to make here. You know, am I gonna... And he was actually living in um, Tennessee. That's where he was stationed at oh. Fort Campbell. So he was just in Washington. So he's from Washington. He's oh, from Sela, okay. Yakima. So he's from the east side, from the west side. But he was stationed at Fort Campbell and just back in Washington for training for three months. So we met at the bar then when he was doing this training. And he's like, you know, if we continue dating... I have to go back to Fort Campbell. And not only that, I'm going to Iraq. Like, I'm immediately deploying to Iraq. And I was like, okay. So I, I was already hooked, you know. Like, he played his cards so well. Because if he would have told me that first day that he was military, mm, no, that would have been no-go for me. I wasn't about that. <laughs> but because I thought I was a firefighter. <laughs> yeah. So so uh, he we kind of stayed together, you know, long distance, obviously, while he was on that deployment. And then he got back, and and we got married, and had our daughter and I moved to Tennessee that was my first time living out of Washington and then we went from Tennessee to North Carolina and then now back to Washington so that was quite a challenge for me as a hunter him not being a hunter so pe most people don't know that it's kind of like backwards where most women I kind of got that vibe for yeah. how much you hunt and him coming to the camp I mean but he did get a did he get a bull this year he did. He got his first bull. That was his and first I don't know bull. if you remember, but when you pull people aside and say, what's going to be like your goal from this camp or what are you taking away? My goal was that I didn't want to be so selfish and I concentrate exactly on hunting for said. myself. And I wanted to concentrate more on helping my daughter hunt and making sure my husband could hunt. You're doing it. Man. And so for this year, I went out, did solo elk camp, um, out on public land and Caleb stayed home and watched the kids for me. And there's a piece of private land. So we have access to a lot of good private land that we're 100% guaranteed an elk on. Okay. I don't always like to do things easy and just want to, you know, be guaranteed. So I like to go out and do it the hard way. I don't know why. Sometimes I think I'm crazy. So I said, I'm not going to do the private land. I'm going to go hunt public. And then there was a day that he got off work and he's like, hey, babe, there's elk on the cam over on one of the private pieces. I have the day off. Do you mind coming home so that watch the kids and I can go try to shoot this bull? And I was like, I will do that. So I came out of my old camp, came home and he went out and he got his bull. He's so freaking stoked. So I was yeah. super happy for him. You guys are so. awesome, man. And you're both fit and you're great examples. And you, man, it seems like you guys love freedom, which I'm yes. <laughs> super stoked about. And yeah. uh, thank you for coming over yeah. guys. Check her out, man. She's the real deal, man. We don't have, we don't have guests on here that aren't real. So, Sarah, appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Yeah, separations in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. I hope you stand with us as we fight for hunting and hunters and that we encourage everyone to find where you can get involved more with your checkbook with your time, with your energy, with your messaging. And I know we can do a better job of staying united, not divided. We're going to have some good links in the show notes. Check those out. 
Maybe you need to take action. Maybe you already are, and I appreciate it if you are. And remember, separations in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one.